Now think of Sita as the devotee. Ra ha Hanuman is the is the messenger from God that comes to the devotee to reassure the devotee that God has not forgotten. In other words, Hanuman is the grace. You hear that? So now she's tasted the grace, like many of you have tasted grace, and then Hanuman says, I've got to leave you. Imagine how that must feel. It's like coming down, right? Okay, I just want you to feel it. Welcome everyone to another Ramdas Here and Now episode. Maybe we come to this podcast to find wisdom and heart or to remember our true essence as we navigate these joys and sorrows of the human predicament. Whatever reason you're here, we're glad that you are. I'm Jackie Dobrinska, your host and director of education and community for Ramdas's Love Serve Remember Foundation. And you you're the Ramdas community. So thanks for tuning in. This is episode 225, The Story of Hanuman and the Ramayana, part two. And it's this really delightful telling of this great epic by Ramdas. So if you haven't already done so, please listen to part one before jumping into part two. It will just give you a better foundation. And if it's been a few weeks, let me just remind you that at the end of the last episode, Hanuman had made the great leap across the ocean to Sri Lanka to find Sita. And so this episode starts with Hanuman, land Hanuman landing in Sri Lanka. And each of you are going to find your own pieces and meanings from this great tale and whatever lessons that might come from listening. Um, and myths, you know, they're often based in cultural understanding to some degree, so I just wanted to offer a thread or two, um, and it's taken in part from uh, Dr. Robert Svoboda, who's this highly respected scholar and just an amazing human. So remember, Hanuman is the lord of the, he's the son of the lord of the wind, and the wind means so much in this context. In this tradition, it's called Vayu. In Hebrew, it's Ruha. And yeah, one translation is wind, but there's other words that could be used like force or electricity or gravity or lightning or magnetism or even spirit. So vayu or wind is the power of action that governs all inanimate and animate forces. It's the kinetic energy that permeates all time and space. At an individual level, it becomes prana, which is the breath, it's, you know, it's often translated as breath, but it's, it's more than that. It's the life force that holds all of our motivations, sustains our inner strength and our willpower. So it's not just our physical prana, but the prana of mind and ultimately the prana of consciousness itself. So according to Svoboda, um, Hanuman as the son of Vayu represents this cosmic energy manifesting through our individual actions. And this occurs when we dedicate our lives to the divine self or Rama within us, letting go of our attachments to the external world of appearances and connecting to the unlimited potential that we have. So in many ways, this story could be seen as how to live in alignment with our true nature or the Tao as some people call it. And interestingly enough, at the end, this is what is victorious. 
no matter where we are in our lives, it sort of reminds us that God or whatever word you use for that sort of ineffable energy hasn't forgotten us. And I wonder if we actually lived from this place every day, how it might change our lives. So this story contains all these unique characters playing their important parts, each having something to do with the other. And that's what Sharon Salzberg defines as loving kindness, remembering that our lives have something to do with one another. We may not like everyone, but we remember that we're all interconnected. And so we have this new course coming out that's, you know, actually that's where I got that quote. It's so much about this. Um, it's called the Ramdas's The Yoga of Heartfulness. And it really looks at how do we live more from this place of heart? How do we overcome our tendencies to close our hearts down or um, fall back into our deficiency models? And it, you know, there's a week on how we really nourish and nurture our heart. And another week on like how we actually come to serve each other from, from that deeper place. So it includes 10 hours of lectures from Ramdas and friends, and that includes just really yummy stuff from Cornfield and Krishna Das and Sharon Salzberg and Amirabai Bush. It has many practices, uh, many, many from Ramdas and some from other people. Um, there's a, one I love from Trudy Goodman, uh, another great one with Ramdev, and several others. There will be four live Dharma talks Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, it includes Mirabai Star, Krishna Das, Jai Uttal, and Nina Rao. And then on Thursdays at noon Eastern Standard Time, we will have community calls and practicums. And then there's this online community to engage with. Um, it's going to be really sweet. Many people have told us how these courses end up really impacting their lives. So we hope you will join. It starts May 15th. So go to ramdas.org slash heart to sign up now. Uh, again, that's ramdas.org slash heart. And I look forward to seeing you there. So as always, whatever good may come from these teachings, may it benefit all of us in our daily lives and ripple out into the world for all beings. We thank the many, many, many people that help make this possible in the world. Um, including our sponsors and including all of you who donate. If you haven't already, consider going to ramdas.org slash donate. So here is Ramdas, here and now. Namaste and blessings. Okay, he lands on Sri Lanka. Now, this is the demon world, and the first person he meets is Lankini, the demoness of Sri Lanka. And he... She says, eh, you are not going to get away from me. And he sees who she is, and he just gives her a hit in the face. <laughs> because she's a demoness. And blood pours out of, her, out of her. And at that moment, she falls on her knees before Hanuman, and she says, oh, you've come. She said, I had a dream that she said the end of the demon race would come when a monkey... Uh, when I was hit by a monkey and blood came, and I bless you, and it's wonderful. Right. So he's off and running. So he he's makes himself into a little small, like a mosquito. Uh, maybe that's a bad image for here. Uh, <laughs> like a little gnat. And he, um, he's, he's going through the village looking for Sita. 
and he finds it's beautiful. I mean, it's like um, Paris and London and, you know, Frankfurt. It's just beautiful. New York, it's just, mm, it's all, it's, it's everything, all of it, all rolled into one. And, um, I mean, Robin has got it all. If you, want, if you like worldly stuff, he's got it. And um, so Hanuman can't find Sita anywhere. And then finally, he comes to... Um, he comes to where Sita is. Let's see if I've got that. Uh, he comes to where Sita is, and he arrives there just as Ravana is arriving, and she is in a grove. She's in the Ashoka grove, uh, Ashoka trees. She's in the grove sitting there, and she's looking down at her feet and crying, and her, she's, her hair is all in disarray. And Ravana comes in with Mandodari, his chief wife, and he says, Sita, I've had about enough of this. I want you to become my wife now. I've had enough. And she said to him, you know, she says, there's as much chance of my becoming your wife she says, you are to Ram like a firefly is to the moon. She said, you're so insignificant. There's no way I would become your wife. She said, either, and he had a very famous sword. She said, either your sword or Ram's arm will have my neck. He said, don't fool around with me, Sita. And he still wants her and he doesn't want to kill her. So he said, I'll tell you, I'll give you 30 days. And if in 30 days, you, I'm going to kill you. And then he tells all the demonesses, scare her, really scare her. And then he leaves. Hanuman's watching all this, and he sees Sita crying, and he feels absolutely terrible. You can imagine how he feels. It's just terrible. So... He drops the ring down from the tree and it falls at her feet and she picks it up and she says, oh, I can't believe this. This is, must, this is Ram's ring. And um, Hanuman comes and he's this little being and he says to her, don't worry, mother. Ram is, sent me to find you. And as soon as I tell him, he'll come and save you. you she says, you better hurry because I've only got 30 days. And she says, don't, he says, don't worry. And then she says, you know, but my son, she says, I'm a little concerned. I mean, I trust that you're a representative of Ram. And Hanuman said, don't worry, because he's got all the monkeys and the bears with him. She says, but my son, if all the monkeys must be pygmies like you, whereas the demons are mighty and great warriors, I have grave misgivings in my heart on this score. On hearing this, the monkey revealed his natural form, colossal as a mountain of gold, terrible in battle, possessing great might and full of valor. Sita took comfort in her heart, and the son of the wind god thereupon resumed his diminutive appearance. And then Sita blessed Hanuman and said, May you become a repository of strength and virtue, dear child. May you ever remain immune from old age and death, prove to be a storehouse of good qualities, and may Ram shower his grace upon you. The moment the words, may Ram be gracious unto you, reached his ears, Hanuman was utterly overwhelmed with emotion. Again and again, the monkey bowed his head at her feet and with joined palms addressed her thus, 
I have now accomplished all I had to accomplish, my mother, for your blessing everyone knows is unfailing. And with joined palms addressed her thus, I have now accomplished all I had to accomplish, my mother, for your blessing everyone knows is unfailing. Then he says, listen, mother, I'm really hungry from this trip. And there are all these wonderful fruit trees. Would you mind if I took the fruit? She says, well, this, this is a, these are guarded by Ravana's best demons. But since I see who you are, go ahead. So he goes and he eats the fruit and he breaks the boughs and the guards come. And when he sees the guards, he picks up tree trunks and throws them at them. And he's wild. And they get very frightened and they go to Ravana and they say, there's a terrible monkey in the Ashoka Grove. And Ravana sends his better troops and Ram, uh, Hanuman just sits there and picks up huge boulders and throws them and he's laughing and he's eating fruit and breaking down the trees. And Ravana hears that there's this wild monkey, so he sends his son Indrajit and Indrajit goes and Hanuman's even beating him, but Indrajit has a special uh, arrow that has that has a boon from one of the gods and he throws the arrow at Hanuman and it, the rope entangles Hanuman now Hanuman could in a moment break it but if he did that he would be denying the boon so he lets himself be bound and carried off to meet to Ravana's court that I ate the fruit because I felt hungry and I broke the boughs because that's what monkeys do and he said, one's body, my sir, is extremely precious to one. Yet all those wicked fellows would insist on belaboring me. I had no course left to it but to return their blows. I'm not at all ashamed of being bound, keen as I am to serve the cause of my Lord. I implore you with joined palms, Ravana, give up your naughtiness and heed my advice. Think of your haughtiness and heed my advice. I didn't think naughtiness was right. <laughs> Think of your lineage and view things in that perspective. I mean, remember, you're a big high yogi. In any case, disillusion yourself and adore him who dispels the fear of his devotees. I mean, this is Ram you're dealing with here. Never antagonize him who's a source of terror, even to death itself, that devours all created beings, both animate and inanimate. Return Janaki's daughter at my, Janaka's daughter at my request. To which Ravana, in his arrogance, says, we have found a most wise guru in this monkey. <laughs> and he says, Ravana says, how did you get here? Hanuman says, I jumped. Ravana says, don't make me laugh. Hanuman says, don't worry, I won't. Hanuman says, Lord of Lanka, I am the son of the wind. Fast or slow, irresistible is my course. Ravana says, I see what's happened to you. Your weak wits have been upset by seeing the beauties of my city. Hanuman says, I'm an animal. What you call beauty doesn't turn my head. I cross the ocean as a person without attachment to worldly desires easily crosses the ocean of existence. You got that one? <laughs> 
<laughs> Hear that? That's see, he's serving. Okay, I won't be Larry. <laughs> I cross the ocean as a person without attachment to worldly desires, easily. Oh, I read that. <laughs> Withdraw your heart from Sita, or that will be a costly theft. For it's by her energy that I jumped over the sea, because that's God's Shakti. Cut off his head, says Ravana. Ravana's brother, Vibhishan, who's a really, he's a good guy in drag as a demon. He took a bad incarnation. But he's very good. He loves Ram secretly. See? And at one point, Hanuman says to him, Vibhishan, when he meets Vibhishan, he says, Vibhishan, what's it like being a demon, a, a lover of Ram in a place like New York City? And Vibhishan said, it's like the tongue living among the teeth. <laughs> so the brother says to Ravana, you can't cut off, you can't kill him. You're never supposed to kill an emissary. You can torture him a bit, but you can't kill him. So, I mean, that was kind. So, um, so Ra Ravana says, okay. He says, monkeys take pride in their tails. Set his tail aflame and carry him through Lanka and then throw him out. Okay. So the demons are all delighted. They're going to make sport with Hanuman. And they go and they get rags and oil to put on his tail. But what he does is he keeps making his tail longer and longer and longer until he's used up every rag in the city and all the oil. And they've coated his tail, and then they light his tail afire. And the minute his tail's afire, he loosens the bonds, and he slides out of the bonds, and he leaps to the top of the city with his tail flaming, and he sets the whole city on fire. And everybody, all the demons are freaked, as you can imagine. Okay. And then he goes back to Sita, and he says, Don't worry, I'm going to get Ram. Everything will be okay. And he goes back, uh, leaps back over the ocean. They're all delighted to see him back. They take him to Ram. He reports to Ram. And um, he tells, um, Sita said, as he left, he said, you brought relief to my heavy heart, but now I see that before me, I just have the same dreary days and weary nights left now that you're going to go, because even you're leaving me. And it's very poignant when he leaves Sita. He leaves her alone. Now, think of Sita as the devotee. Ra ha Hanuman is the, is the messenger from God that comes to the devotee to reassure the devotee that God has not forgotten. In other words, Hanuman is the grace. You hear that? So now she's tasted the grace, like many of you have tasted grace. And then Hanuman says, I've got to leave you. Imagine how that must feel. It's like coming down. All right? Okay. I just want you to feel it. <clears throat> when the all-blissful Lord heard of Sita's agony, tears rushed to his lotus eyes. He said, Do you think anyone who depends on me in thought, word, or deed can ever dream of adversity? said Hanuman, there is no misfortune other than ceasing to remember and adore you. Of what account are the demons to you? 
in Haram says, no one endowed with a body, God, human being, or sage, has put me under such obligation, Hanuman, as you have done. See, for God to do something to bring the devotee to God, to reassure the devotee, is such an act. You can feel how much God wants the devotee to be happy. He wants to merge with the devotee. My, even my mind shrinks to face you. How can I repay your obligation? I've listened, my son. I have thought over the question and concluded the debt I owe you, Hanuman, cannot be repaid. Again and again, as the protector of the gods, Ram gazed upon Hanuman, his eyes filled with tears, and his body was overpowered with the thrill of emotion. His God being thrilled with emotion over the purity of Ram, who is a form that is out there as an instrument of God, reassuring devotees that God has not forgotten. Even as Hanuman listened to the words and gazed at his countenance, he experienced a thrill of joy all over his body, and he fell at the feet, overwhelmed with love. But see, he's also, I mean, this is God talking to him, and he starts crying, save me, save me from the tentacles of egoism, my Lord. Save me from my own ego about this. Right. Now, here's an interesting one. At this point, Ram attempts to lift Hanuman up to merge him into himself. In other words, he's going to take him beyond dualism. Here's Hanuman who just loves Ram, and Ram's about to take Hanuman and merge him into himself. In other words, enlightenment. And Hanuman pushes against Ram, and he makes himself very heavy, and he won't be lifted up. He's so absorbed in love that he would not rise. In other words, the final bhakti, the devotee, a real bhakti, wants to always stay loving God, doesn't want to merge into God because that's the end of the trip. Okay, it's like extending the foreplay for eternity. The lotus hand of the Lord rested on his head. Even Shiva was overcome with emotion as he recalled Hanuman's enviable lot as he's telling the story. Finally, the Lord lifted up Hanuman and clasped him to his bosom and kept him right next to him, not merged with him. Tell me, Hanuman, how could you burn Ravana's stronghold of Lanka, a most impregnable fortress? Hanuman said, a monkey's great valor lies in his skipping about from bow to bow that I should have been able to leap across the ocean, burn the city, kill the demons, and lay waste the Ashoka Grove was all due to your might. No credit, my lord, is due to me for the same. Nothing is unattainable, my lord, to one who enjoys your grace. And devotion, devotion is, which is a source of supreme bliss. Oh, enjoys your bliss. When the Lord heard this, he offered Hanuman whatever he wanted, and Hanuman said, My Lord, grant me unceasing devotion, which is a source of supreme bliss. In other words, always allow me to be devoted to you. Never make me merge with you. Always let me stay in love with you and serve you. Hear that one? And Ram says, So be it. Okay, now. Ram then gets his armies, he goes to the edge of the ocean, but they can't all leap across, so they got to build a bridge, but they don't know how to do it, and they uh, ask the ocean for help, and the ocean kind of ignores them, and finally, the way they do it is um, 
the ocean comes forth finally and says, look, uh, Nila and Nala, who are um, two of your troops, have a boon that any time they touch a rock, it floats. So once they know that, they get all these huge rocks and they touch them and then they float and they build a bridge with them. And everybody is helping the bridge be built, everybody. And at one point, these little chipmunks, you know, they, what they're doing is they go and they wet their body and then they go and they roll in the sand and then they ride out on the bridge and shake themselves and the sand goes into the rocks to create more bridge. And at one point there, they've shook themselves and they're going back and one of the monkeys comes along and says, get out of the way there, because he's carrying a big boulder. And the chipmunks are very upset and they go to Ram and they say, this is outrageous, we're helping you and we're being treated terribly. And Ram says, don't worry, I love you. And he reaches down and he strokes them down the back. And that's why chipmunks have those little stripes down their back. Yeah. <laughs> so they cross the ocean. <laughs> they cross the ocean and a, and a battle ensues. I mean, I can't, I wouldn't even. My mouth is sealed. I, it's just... It's, it's too, just too horrible to, to tell you about because it's all within the realms of illusion. I mean, it's a battle in which there are thousands of enemies making themselves into millions of enemies, and every time you kill them, millions more appear, and it's, it goes on for days and days. I mean, it's a wild battle. And Ravana thinks that this, he doesn't, you know, his ego is so big that he's lost his wisdom of his third eye, so he doesn't see that Ram is really God. He thinks he's just this kind of hermit with these monkeys and bears. He doesn't know who he's fighting. And so he keeps losing and losing and losing. And um, to give you the feeling of the illusionary nature of the thing, at one point, Ravan has been really losing a lot, and he goes to Indrajit, his son, and he says, Indrajit, help me. Use your magical powers, because Indrajit just stays and does puja all day to get powers. Indrajit bowed his head a moment, then he said, Majesty, um, for everyone, there is a choice of two ways, right or wrong. Look at Ram, regard his army, see his bridge. All this time, millions of monkeys and bears have camped just outside your Lanka, and you still could not believe you're in any real danger. But even if time and death themselves overlook you, when your life is full, you can no, find no safety from Ram if you keep, your, keep his wife. There's always a choice, Father, the way of life or the path of death. Ravana can't hear it at all. He says, kill him for me, will you please? Indrajit said, I did that once. And so um, he says, Father, when you were young, you grew strong by following Dharma and by sacrifice, and you ruled the worlds. Yet once on the throne of power, you slighted Dharma. You had no courtesy towards life. You drove out kindness and denied freedom to the universe, and you made creation suffer. The worlds are large, but your selfishness overmatched them. Now your wrongs devour us. In the far forests, your intended victims drain our strength. What of it, said Ravana? You're the best of warriors. You defeated the gods. Indrajit says, however great you may be, do not live hostile to every other soul. The fear and anger of the helpless has taken on the form of an army of animals. Death has led you on. You took death on your lap the day you stole Sita, and death have you courted all the time. Well, you captured Indra once before for me. Yes, but now Dharma is on Ram's side. 
His army and his weapons are but the material instruments of time. Now Ram rules earth with all her creatures. All is Dharma majesty. There is no second thing in existence. There's Dharma alone in the world. Okay, so finally Ravana convinces uh, Indrajit to do something. And he does something. And uh, in the course of the battle, uh, Ravana, uh, Lakshman, is struck down and wounded. Now remember what a good and devoted brother Lakshman is. And Ram is really, now he's really upset. Because not only is Sita in captivity, but Lakshman is hurt. And the wise man says, look, the only thing that will save Lakshman is an herb that exists up in the high Himalayas on a special mountain. And so they say, Hanuman, would you do us a favor? Hanuman says, of course, anything. Would you go get this herb? Fly straight up and get the herb. So he flies up, but he's a monkey, and he's kind of like you notice what your monkey mind was like in meditation. Well, he has the same thing. And he forgot the herb, which herb it was. So when he got there, he didn't know, so he brought the whole mountain back. <laughs> so Hanuman is usually either depicted kneeling before Ram with his mace and power, or flying through the air with a with a mountain on his arm. Okay? So he comes back and they find the herb and they heal Lakshman. And there is an incredible battle. And finally, in the battle, Ram, of course, is victorious, as you knew he would be from the outset. And Lakshma and Ravana starts to get beaten. And here it is, the night before the final battle, when Ravana is going to die. And he comes out on the parapet of his castle, and he dances. Now, this is an interesting turn of the game here. And he dances with delight. And uh, he's dancing in the winds, and the winds are howling, and he's dancing. And then he starts to... He starts to walk down the stairs, and he meets time on the stairway. Welcome, Ravana! Time looked up and grimmed happily. Now at last your life is over, and you must pay me for the sins of a lifetime. You're about to die, and now for all eternity hell awaits you. Even your memory will be lost in endless years of silence. You'll never again meet a friend or see any place you love. Go wear your best jewels, for who will wear them later? Look around at the beautiful world of life, for now she is my keeping. For your great wrongdoing, I have fallen in beside you unseen, moving where you move, waiting in your shadow for the moment. How have you eluded me so long? Indeed, said Ravana, I smile at your folly. Oh, do you, Ravana? Do you believe, Demon King, that I only control others, that time never rules you, but only others? Then the face of Kala of time took on the cruel look of someone who has lied and pretended and waited his chance, and is at last has power over his enemy. I'll have the last word. I'll humble you and kill your strength and spirit. Ravana laughed. You little liar. What? You stole Sita, and you will pay. 
Ravana threw out his arms like 20 bars across the narrow stairs and looked down at time. Why, I have all the time there is. What? You're the thief, not I, said Ravana. For a few moments' pleasure, you take whole lives in payment. And whatever you give, you steal back by fraud from hiding when you're not watched. Death and misery are your good friends, but you yourself are unreal. You do not exist. You can't steal from me. See the relation of time to consciousness? Do you know who I am? cried time. Robin answered, you're a marketplace of sorrow, a well of lies. Never! You're a fraud and you know it. See, he's saying, Time, you're an illusion. Why, you're not looking so well yourself, Time. Ravana smiled. May you feel worse tomorrow. Take care, said Time sharply. Watch out, injustice angers me. That's a laugh. I'll faint for fear just as soon as I find someplace to fall down. He said, when my dancing footfalls stopped, I broke Time's little back with my last step. Ravana, you're mad. There's no help for it. You're doomed. Do what you can while you still can. Your old home is empty. Your friends have died. All the good times are long gone. Things can never be, nothing can remain the same. All must change and die and come apart. It'll be as though you'd never been. Time will pass, Ravana. Time will pass. Be aware. We know better than that, said the demon king. Love is eternal and we are beyond your reach. Now listen to Ravana talking about love, and that'll become clear later. Just a moment, said Time. Don't be absurd. You don't believe all those old stories, do you? That love is eternal. <laughs> oh, I believe them just enough. There must be some mistake. No one is beyond my power, said Time. This time you've made a mistake, said Ravana. You have wrongly faced Ravana, who has gambled his life for love, and always will, I guess. Never try to cheat fate, said Time. And then Ravana says, all loss of love or life is a lie. Old age is an illusion, and only bad things perish. Really, I fail to see what all this has to do with it. It's time. I've forgotten you had that problem, smiled the demon king. But I must be on my way now. I can't be late. And my time is far too valuable to waste on anything but daydreams. <laughs> be careful. Turn and go back. Back away from Ravana, who will fight and die for love, for good love never dies. How'd you find that out? Stand aside, time. Pretend to rule styles and fashions if you will, but don't talk about being over me. You're but a poor slave yourself. You mean nothing to me. I command you to go. No, I won't. Aha! Ravana swiftly bent down and looked close into the wasted eyes of time with that terrible demon look he had. The muscles of his arms stood out in knots and his hands moved around Kala like time like a cage. Do you dare menace me? The king drew back his lips and his coppery eyes glittered. He made ready to seize time and crush him. And the poet, Valmiki, who's watching all this in the palm of his hand, catches his breath at shock at this. Then Ravana touches time, but lightly. 
and stands straight again. Time starts to sweat. He sneezes and looks around. His face was worn and battered and his voice cracked when he spoke. Why, it's all dusty. Everything here is covered over with fine dust. Ravana stood with all his hands on his hips. As he watched time fade and vanish with a puzzled look, ever still trying in vain to say something more, Ravana stood on the empty steer. Valmiki, the poet, laughed with pleasure. Oh, Ravana, delightful, beautiful. Well done, Demon King. Okay. Now, see, this gets that plot's getting interesting. See, because Ravana's just not your ordinary egomaniac. So when he's beaten and he dies, later Ram finds, Ram's given a letter from Ravana that Ravana had inscribed on a stone tablet before he died. And it says, Dear Ram, think and remember how you promised Indra to kill me forever. See, he's reminding him that he's Vishnu now. Are you with me? Can you hear what I'm saying? Nothing is forever except yourself. Except dying at your hand, how else could I make you take me into your own self? I was a demon, after all. I was only a Rakshasha, and you were very hard to approach. Yet seeking wisdom, I learned many things. You do not know who you are again. See, he just thinks he's Ram, a nice prince. I knew it all along. Even still, you do not know. Nothing you do ever fails. Once one glance of yours and people sing again the good old songs. I took no protection against men. You go everywhere and know everything that ever has or ever will be done. How was I careless? I was nowhere careless, O Narayana, Vishnu. I looked, I marveled. Men are minds, men are precious minds. Rama, did you think that I would not know that? I saw that heaven was impermanent and hell itself did not endure. I discovered the time of every life is one day full, and I found how all creatures that are separate from you are ever and again reborn, over and over, always changing. I do not love things that come and go and slip away with time. Time itself I hate. I warned him when we first met, and I took him for my enemy. Best of men, there are many kinds of love, and I never hurt her. I kept Lakshmi. I kept Sita. To lure you here, I offered you my life and you accepted it. Do you hear the whole story now from a different point of view? He's a high yogi, but he's a rakshasha. And in the only way he can merge into God is if he gets God to kill him and then God will take him into himself. So he does this whole elaborate game to complete his yoga. Pretty far out, isn't it? You are Narayan, you are Vishnu who moves in the waters. You flow through us all. You are Ram and Sita born out of earth and Ravana the demon king. You are Hanuman like the wind. You are Lakshman like a mirror. You're Indrajit and Indra. You are the poet and the players and the play. You are the poet and the players and the play. And born as a man, you forgot this, just like you all did. You are all the poet, the players, and the play. You lose the memory and take on man's ignorance again, as you will, I guess, every time. Therefore, welcome back your Sita. The war is done, and so I close my letter. 
well. Sita comes to Ram, the Pushpaka, the aerial chariot descends, they climb aboard, they go back to Ayodhya, the 14 years are over, Bharat takes the sandals from the throne, Bharat is so delighted to have Ram back, Ram gets on the throne, Sita next to him, and um, at one point, Ram wants to give Hanuman a gift, and he says, Ram says, as long as men shall speak of you, you will live on earth. No one can equal you. Your heart is true. Your arms are strong. You have the energy to do anything. You've served me faithfully and done for me things that couldn't be, be done. It's nothing, said Hanuman. I'm your friend, that's all. Ram wore a rare golden bracelet set with gemstones on his right arm, a costly, irreplaceable ornament inherited from among the wealth of the solar kings. He said, best of monkeys, take this as my gift, and gave it to Hanuman. Hanuman snatched the bracelet from Ram, started to turn it over and around in his white furry paws, looking closely at it. Then he bent and he broke it. He twisted the gold and pulled out the jewels. He put them between his hard teeth. He bit down on the priceless gems and broke them like nuts. He searched over the pieces, looking everywhere for something. Ram asked him, monkey, at a time like this, why are you still so difficult? Hanuman answered, Lord, though this bracelet looked expensive, it was really worthless. For nowhere on it did it bear your name. I have no need of it, Ram. What do I want with anything plain? Vibhishan sniffed at that and he said, then I can't see what value life is to you. Why don't you destroy your body as well? Then with his sharp fingernails, Hanuman tore open his breast and pulled back the flesh. And see, there was written again and again on every bone in fine little letters, Rama, 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 Rama. Ram put down the grass he held, and with his two hands he pressed together Hanuman's parted flesh, and the wound over his beating heart came together, leaving no scar at all, not even one big as a grain of dust or the tip of a hair. Rama drew off his hand his broad, gleaming gold ring that said Ram, the ring that Hanuman had carried to Sita. He put it into Hanuman's wet paw and gently closed the monkey's fingers over it. Who is this monkey, Hanuman? Rama has let him loose in the world. He knows Rama, and Rama knows him. Hanuman can break in or break out of anywhere. He cannot be stopped like the free wind in flight. Hanuman can spot a tyrant. He looks at deeds, not words, and he'll go and pull his beard. Disguises and words of talk cannot confuse a mere wild animal. Hanuman's rescue of brave poets in any peril may be had for their asking. And that monkey will break the handsome masks of evil kings. Hanuman will take you a sad tune and use it to make a happy dance. Son of the Wind. Thus endeth the story of the Ramayana, in which everyone lives happily ever after. Seventy-seven. Um, I was in India, and 
Maharaji had said before he left his body in 73 that um, there would be a, a temple in America, Hanuman Temple. And so I thought, well, I should do something about that, I guess. So I went to Jaipur, India, which is a place where the mortis, the statues of all these statues are made for the temples. Statues, and there are these morti makers that have been doing this for generations. Absolutely, I mean, just on and on for hundreds and hundreds of years. And you go into one little shop, you go to the bazaar where all these shops are, and one shop makes only Krishnas, and there'll be 60 Krishnas. And then one shop makes only Buddhas. And one shop makes Hanumans and Rams. So we went from shop to shop, and um, the men cut the stone, and then the grandmothers polish it, and the little kids go and get tea. Everybody in the family does their part. And so we picked a Morty maker, in which the Mortys just touched our hearts. A Morty is a statue that's been blessed. And um, one of the girls in America had drawn a painting of Hanuman flying through the air from India to Sri Lanka with a ring, with Ram's ring. So I brought a copy of the a picture of a photograph and I said to the Morty maker, I would like a flying Hanuman. He said, well, we've never done a flying Hanuman before. So I said, well, let's see what we can do. So he brought out the fellow who does the sketches. And we had, I had an experience that I could hardly believe. I, he, we did the body first. The, the painting showed the body, but it didn't do the face very well. And so then he did a face. And I looked at the face and I said, you know, the face is great, but it should be the kind that when a woman looks at it, she feels like she's looking at her child. And he had a little piece of gum eraser and a, a dull pencil. And he says, oh, yes, yes. And he erased about two little lines and he put them in and there was that feeling. And I said, but also when a woman looks at it, she should feel that it's her lover. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And he shifted two little lines. I mean, he's been doing this and he, for generations it's been being done. And these were what are called the bobs or the emotional states. And I said, now, when a man looks at it, it should feel like his brother. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And within about, I'd say an hour, the face had turned into a face that I just knew in my heart. This was Hanuman. This was just who it was. And then we said, well, how soon will you have, they said, we make a plaster cast first. How soon will you have that? Well, we'll have it 12 days. Is that too long? No. And he came back in 12 days, and there was this being, this this plaster cast and we corrected little things on the body thing and then a few months later out of pink marble Hanuman was created he is five foot four long and he's uh weighs 1600 pounds which is almost a ton and he is beautiful and then we put him in a box and on a ship and brought him to America and he was crossing the ocean to reassure us that God had not forgotten us. And um, he now dwells in a temple in Taos, New Mexico. And uh, he's, his face is right there. That's a photograph of him right there. And he's absolutely beautiful.
and he's just a statue of a monkey flying through the air. And they said, well, what's going to keep him up? And we said, I said, don't worry, technology will keep him up. But they didn't believe me, so they made his, his loincloth so that it had a, his dhoti, so it had a cloth that was part of the statue so he can rest on his cloth. So it sort of looks like he's flying through the air. And he's beautiful. And so at all of the celebrations, the different times of year, Shivaratri and Guru Purnima, honoring the Guru and the honoring of the time my Guru left his body and all, we all gather at that temple. And then we sing that chalisa that we sing twice each evening. We sing that 108 times. We start at four in the morning and sing until two in the afternoon. And then because my guru said, feed everybody, we then hold a big feast and all the people from the town come and we feed maybe 800 people. And we all feed them. And that's the way in which one celebrates is feeding people. And Hanuman, it's interesting to have him in America because... Many people think it's pretty strange having a monkey god. And I mean, here I am a Jew and you don't have any craven images and I've got this monkey on my back. But to me, all Hanuman is, is, well, I don't know what he all he is, but Hanuman is a symbol of that path to God that comes through service. That he is the perfect servant of God. He lives only to serve God. And I would like to be that, that being. So he's, he's my model. I'm slowly turning into a monkey, if you just watch. This podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at Ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.